Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Our show is in its 21st year on Voice America. And this program is really about turning your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and making your dreams come true. And today I have a great guest. We're talking about relationships and we're talking about how can you make your relationship work for you when you think a little differently. And as, as, um, as my guest says, her name is Jolie Hamilton. She's a PhD and she is the relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. She's a best-selling author, she's a TEDx speaker, and she's a love and sex expert. Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the relationship coach for couples who, again, as I said, color outside the lines. She's a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and um, ASEC uh, certified sex educator. Jolie also co-hosts the Project Relationship Podcast with her anchor partner, Ken, and she's been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, NPR, and The Atlantic. She has spent two decades studying and reimagining what love can look like if we open our imaginations to the possibility, and she helps people create partnerships that are custom-built for their authentic selves, no more shrinking, pretending, or hiding required. Welcome, Jolie. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Patricia. I really appreciate it. Yeah, really exciting. Let's talk about um, your book. You have a book called Project Relationship, the Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love. So it doesn't just come naturally, right, Julie? It's not like, you know, Cinderella and we fall in love. We have to have a plan here. Oh, there's the thing. Don't I wish it came naturally? But usually, in fact, what comes naturally is whatever our parents did, which is whatever their parents did, which is whatever their parents did. And what happens is instead of doing what we actually mean to do, we reenact a love story that probably wasn't too sparkly, shiny, perfect in the first place. Hmm. And so... But how do you unpack all that? I mean, first of all, you have to be aware of it. And how do you even realize? A lot of people have no idea that's true. Yeah, yeah. So it is an unpacking. I think that's a good word to use for it. One of the first things I ask people to do is to just let go of the idea of exactly what you said, that it would come naturally or that, um, that if things are uncomfortable, in how they're trying to design or redesign their relationship, if it's just not quite going the way they want. If it's uncomfortable or a little awkward, that's probably good news. Because if when you're making a plan for changing how your relationship is going, if you're doing things and they feel totally comfortable and completely normal and natural, you're probably doing the same thing again. So I like people to embrace the fact that this is a new adventure that they're on. They're trying to learn to love in a way that will really satisfy them. And the best news is, if it feels a little awkward, that's good news. It's good news. As long as both people agree, correct, Julie? You have to have Mm. two people in this together. Well, that's an interesting interesting point. I would say, ideally, both people would decide – to embark on, hey, let's let's get serious about how this relationship is going to work. That's great. However, 
Relationships are systems, and systems respond to change from any direction. So if I have somebody who comes into my, they come into my coaching practice or they join my group program and they, they don't have a partner's full buy-in, what I do is tell them, well, that's okay because you are still empowered to start changing how you are in the relationship. Yeah. Will it go as smoothly and easily? No, it won't. It'll be a, it's probably going to be a rougher road. But are you helpless if your partner isn't game to, to get in there and roll up their sleeves? No, you're not. Hmm, interesting. So, and I guess my question to that is, if that happens and one person is, you know, doing what they believe is going to open them up, but the other person isn't growing, does that help the relationship or do the people often grow apart because one is growing in one direction and the other isn't moving? Well, you know, sometimes what we think of as one person growing and one person um, standing still is could be reimagined as one person is learning about themselves and one person is, is moving. And perhaps the other person is acting more as an anchor. That's not necessarily bad news. Now, there are certainly times when this can be really rough. If somebody is just determined to dig their heels in and to offload any responsibility for their relationship, yeah, that's never going to work out. But if what somebody's doing is saying, you know, I, I don't feel called to work on the relationship in the same way you do, but I want to do my own work, well, mm-hmm. you might find that what you have is a mm-hmm. different journey than the one you envisioned. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Now, you talk in your in your book and in your work and in your counseling mm-hmm. about creative monogamy for people who want yeah. more but don't want to open their marriage sexually. And then you also talk about open marriage. So let's first talk about creative monogamy. Yeah, I love that you're asking about it because creative monogamy is it's, it's actually nothing new. In many ways, it's what has always been. It's just that we haven't had open conversations about it. When I say creative monogamy, what I mean is, are you consciously getting clear with your partner about what areas of your life are exclusive and what areas are expansive? Mm. And so, for instance, most people have more than one friend. Most people have a spouse, a partner, and they also have friends. So most people are exclusive in friendship. Um, But a lot of people like monogamy, sexual monogamy. They enjoy it. So they decide to be exclusive in sex. And when we talk about creative monogamy, what we do is we get clear about all the different ways that you can relate to someone um, emotionally, financially, based on activities, based on different types of energetic connection and sex. And we get really clear about what the agreements are so that your monogamy is custom-fit, custom-built mm. for you, the way that will work best for the two of you. Mm. Very interesting. And so where does sex play into this, Jolie? Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, sex is the hard stop. Sex is where people get kind of freaked out about, okay, but I need to have my partner be sexually mine, right? There's a bit of ownership there. And I want to say, I'm not against monogamy at all, not at all. But I do like some clarity there because one of the things that I see come up a lot is people want sexual exclusivity, but they never get clear about what sex is. Where's the line exactly? What qualifies as 
stepping beyond the boundaries. And so let's say a couple is out and one of them is texting with someone of a gender that they're attracted to. You know, is that infidelity? Um, what if they're flirting at a bar? What if they're, and then now we start down this train. And at some point, we, you know, let's start talking about touching the arm or kissing or engaging in an actual orgasmic activity. Somewhere in this spectrum of activities with others, we decide there's the line. That's where sex starts. But we usually don't have that conversation with our partners. And so when people say, oh, I'm monogamous and I have, you know, we're monogamous, we're exclusive, we would never cheat on each other. I'm like, that is awesome. Just be clear on what that monogamy means. What are you actually agreeing to? You know, I think my question is, there's been so, um, you know, monogamy has been thought of in our society as certainly sexual monogamy in every way, Mm -hmm. um, including touching for many people. How open Mm -hmm. are you seeing, you know, you do this work all the time. Are people more open to this? Would you say it's 25% of the population, 10%? Because really our standard of thinking is you get married and you have one partner and in terms of anything physical, you're with that partner. I mean, that's a lot of the ways a lot of people have been brought up. So the question is, is that, is that moving is the question. Right. Is that sort of boundary yeah. moving? Yeah. So it's a great question because when we talk about sexual monogamy, um, let's be clear, we're usually talking about serial monogamy because often people have many sexual partners throughout their life, but in sequence, right? They'll get married a couple of times or they'll have a bunch of boyfriends and then get married. You know, so we are talking about sequential monogamy, but let's say we still want that exclusivity. There are the, the most recent studies and the and Studies going back a ways show that about 5% of the U.S. population is non-monogamous consensually. So this, isn't mm. ta- this is not talking about people who are cheating, but people who have intentionally decided to make this a life choice. And about 20% have tried it at some point. That's the mm. same number as who play musical instruments or who own cats. So it's not nobody. Everybody knows somebody probably. And for the people, the 10%, does that work for them? I guess it does, right? Because they're there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it works for me. I'm out as non-monogamous, and I have been for 13 years, and it works for me. So, you know, I like to just ground my knowledge in that. I've been monogamous. I've also been non-monogamous. And I find that both can work for me when I I choose them. Um, And I work with clients all the time for whom non-monogamy works, consensually negotiated non-monogamy mm-hmm. works. And I meet lots of people for whom monogamy works. And I meet lots of people that non-monogamy doesn't work. So maybe what we need to ask is, what does it mean for it to work? Mm-hmm. What would it be like to know what it means for it to work? Do we mean that we keep our agreements? Do we mean that it feels good? Um, or do we mean, usually the monogamous standard is, how long does this relationship last? And that's pretty much all we judge it by, you know. And really, I think most people do want more than just longevity. I think most people want quite a lot more from their relationship well, than just, and, and, hey, we and, made and, it. And, right. And the one thing that I think needs to be brought up in all of this, because, you know, where people will hang on to this and say, oh, you know, you're having sex with someone else. But let's talk about the word love and the word commitment. Mm-hmm. So love and commitment 
can st- and and I'm not advocating for either. I'm just saying that love and yep. commitment is a big part of relationship. So that can still be part of the monogamous relationship sexually and the non-monogamous relationship sexually. Correct? Yes, absolutely. That's a, that is such an important point, Patricia, because a lot of times people think about swinging and they think about like sexual sexual yes. expansiveness, yes. right? And they think about okay, you're allowed you're allowed to have sexual encounters with someone else, but here are the rules, and we don't have feelings. And that is a completely valid right. way to live your life. And there are whole other paths in negotiated non-monogamy where feelings are not only allowed, but they're encouraged. It's really about not defining ahead of time what the relationship will be and allowing them to unfold in multiple. And it is a little confusing if, if you've grown up in monogamy and that's all you've ever known and all you've ever seen. Mm. It can feel a little jarring just to sit with that idea. But really, we're just talking about the same kind of love and feeling that you have for, for one person, yes. you can have for more than one person. Well, it's like friendship, right? It's like brothers and sisters in a way, right. even though I know the sex part comes in. But or, I do have a question. Right, here. or your children. Right, right, exactly. Right, loving them all in different ways, but you love them mm-hmm. is with the same intensity, right? I mean, for, for exactly. some. But but here's, here's my question, um, is when you are with someone... And, and I'm, I'm grabbing my question. I had it and I'm, I'm losing it for a second. But it was around the whole idea of, um, yeah, I know what it was. The question is, to me, if you are non-monogamous, but you're not telling the other person. So in a sense, you're cheating, right? Because you're, you're sneaking yep. around and you're lying. All right. So yep. Yep. to me, is that better then being able mm-hmm. to be open with that person and saying, look, you know, at times I want to be with someone else. Now, many people won't do that because they're afraid they'll lose the relationship. So talk about that. Yep. Oh, I think you're at the crux of it right there. Because to me, my line in the sand is honesty. I cannot tolerate. I don't believe I'm really in a relationship with someone if they're being dishonest with me. I don't know them then. And for me, being known and knowing someone, seeing someone and really knowing them, knowing their truth, that's mm. love. And so when dishonesty is the only path forward, mm. that I would always choose a conscious and thoughtful opening, right. even if right. that risks the relationship. And, and yet, there are plenty of people who say, no way, no how. And, and then we have to ask ourselves, are we living to, willing to live with the, the ramifications of what it is to cheat? what it is to not be honest. You know, for mm-hmm. instance, a big thing that people worry about with non-monogamy, it comes up all the time. They're like, oh, STIs, you know, sexually transmitted infections, what will happen? You'll get, you'll get them because you have more partners. But in mm-hmm. fact, the data tells us that people who are, are cheating, who are not being honest, are much more likely to have unsafe sex practices than people mm-hmm. who are talking about their multiple partners and engaging in safer sex practices. So Very interesting. Really Honesty. Honesty is going to win Honesty. And what you're saying is honesty no matter what you do is what you're saying. Yeah. So this is so yep. fascinating. Let's let's go to break. And when we come back, let's talk about um, conversations to reignite your sex life. Let's talk about the mm-hmm. elements of a really strong marriage or strong partnership. Mm-hmm. 
Let's talk about that when we come back. And also, we'll talk about jealousy, too, you know, where that ties in. Excellent. So, Jolie, how can people find more out more about you? I mean, where, where would they yeah, go to Yeah, people are that? interested. Yeah. Um, if you go to listentojolie.com, that's listen to J-O-L-I, it's easy to connect with me and hear all of my stuff and download my free guides. So you have a, uh, a podcast. I do have a podcast. People can also find me on the Project Relationship Podcast. It's found on all of the major players, including Spotify and Apple. Okay, which is great. All right. Well, when we come back after the break, let me tell you a little bit about Jolie again. Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. She's a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and ASECT certified sex educator. She co-hosts the Project Relationship Podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. Jolie's been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, NPR, and The Atlantic. She spent the past two decades studying and reimagining what love can be like if we open our imaginations to possibility. Jolie helps people create non-monogamous partnerships and any kind of a partnership that are custom-built for their authentic selves, no more shrinking, pretending, or hiding required. So whether it's monogamous, non-monogamous, she works with people to make their relationships work according to what they need. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You 
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. We are back with Jolie Hamilton talking about couples who color outside the lines and about relationships, relationships that work um, in the way that work for different couples. Uh, Dr. Jolie Hamilton is a relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. She's a research psychologist. She's a best-selling author. She's a certified sex educator. She's been written up in many major magazines, and she really helps people create custom-built relationships for their authentic selves. So Julie, I, I have to talk about this because it's the elephant in the room and anyone listening is, is already, their ears are ringing. So here's my question. What about people listening to this and saying, wait a minute, you know, I'm faith-based and I would never consider having a sexual relationship with anybody other than my husband. And I think it's sinful. What do you say to that? I would say that's great. No problem. The beauty of this is it is an entirely individual decision. And if you feel well held by your faith, that's wonderful. You likely have a lot of ways that you do connect with your partner that can still benefit from all the same things we teach and learn about in non-monogamy. These are 100% transferable skills. The container doesn't matter as much as the relationship. And If it feels sinful for you, I would simply ask this. Keep an open mind because about 40% of Gen Z is is responding to national polls right now saying that they are open to less conventional relationships. So as we think about our children and grandchildren, I like to just remember that even if something is not a fit for me, I always want to be able to talk to my kids. I have seven kids. So I always want to be able to talk to them Mm. about whatever works for them even if it doesn't line up for me. So this is about just keeping an open mind. That's yes. all. And that's good because what you're saying is you work with people of different groups. It doesn't have to be, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it certainly yeah. can be any any group. Traditional, right. so the thing non-traditional. That, yeah. The thing that strikes me about the people who seek me out is often they don't feel like there's a place for them to talk about what they want out of their relationship in the community that they're they're currently in. So if you feel great and like your relationship is working well and you feel, I think of it as well held, you feel nurtured and nourished inside your community and you can talk about your relationship ups and downs with your partner and perhaps with um, a, a person of faith with you, great. And many people don't feel held that way. Many people feel that in fact, the way that they experience love and sexuality doesn't fit anywhere. And so I like to have conversations with people, and many of them are people of faith or people who believe in monogamy as the right way for them. And what we do is talk about how do they get what they want inside that container of monogamy? How do they stick with their their ethical belief that monogamy is the right choice? How do we do that and still have a really juicy, delicious relationship? Because you absolutely can yeah. And be happy. Right. I mean, I think, yeah. I think that's you know, and be happy. Yeah. I think that's really important. So let's talk about some other things I think that are really important here. Let's talk about jealousy 
And, um, you know, how that works, and many people hide it. Many people say, well, I'm never jealous. But talk about jealousy as an emotion and what you see as a therapist. Oh, goodness. So jealousy is possibly my favorite topic in the whole world. Um, And the reason why is because jealousy is so powerful. It's so powerful that we, we see people experiencing you know, some of the biggest emotions of their lives are connected to jealousy. People get violent about jealousy. People get angry. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. jealousy is huge. And let's be clear. Jealousy is about fearing that we'll lose the connection to our beloved other. So it's different from envy. Jealousy is when we're afraid that we'll lose that connection, whereas envy is a longing for something someone has. The two different things, and jealousy is very, very powerful, especially in our loving relationships. So let's go back over that. So jealousy is you're afraid you're going to lose the person. Yes. Is that what you're saying? And envy is longing for something. Yeah. Envy is about longing for something that someone else has or a way that someone else is. So envy will Mm. always bring up feelings of, of want and longing. Whereas jealousy will bring up feelings of fear and abandonment. Mm, very interesting. And do you, think that, do you think that's All common are big. in most? Do you think that's common in most relationships at some point in the relationship? Or no? Well, you know what the what the studies show us is that jealousy is entirely normal, completely natural. It can be spotted in babies as young as six months old. So jealousy wow. serves a purpose. Yeah, exactly. It's it's designed to help the infant stay connected to their primary caregiver, who they need in order to stay alive, right? So very, mm-hmm. very important. And so it has a natural function. So most people will experience jealousy at some point in their life. Now, it, it can look very different from person to person. Some people experience a lot of jealousy early in life, and then that sort of ebbs over the course of their life. Some people Mm -hmm. always experience jealousy as a very intense emotion. And some people experience jealousy as intense, but not negative. Some people experience it as sort of arousing and interesting, and they don't steer Mm -hmm. away from it. So jealousy is really complex. Yeah, very interesting. So in, in, I'm sure you've worked with many, many couples over the years, what are you seeing as the major piece that's the glue? You know, when, when all else fails, what keeps these couples together? Is it their values? Is it their communication? Mm-hmm. Is it their backgrounds? Is it, what, what is it, Jolie? Yeah, the, the thing that I see that keeps people together is, is there, there's one of two things. One is either they share values and purpose. They have their yep. shared set of values, which doesn't mean yep. it's entirely overlapping. They've got something. They have a purpose to their relationship, though. If they stay together, it's because they know what this relationship is for, and they are here for it. So that purpose might be, for instance, to raise children together. And then when the children grow, they need to redefine what's the purpose now. Mm-hmm. Um, the purpose might be to change the world. You know, I know we, we see partnerships of people who are there together because they are greater than the sum of their parts. They really create a partnership that, that moves and shakes. And some people are together, but they don't have any purpose. And that's usually where the struggle is. They don't even know why they're together. And then it becomes about, am I happy in a particular moment? But happiness is sliver to gibbet. Like, 
it's a, you know, I do want people to be happy, but if we try to be happy as our primary goal, that, that can be a hard one to get through when, when the tough times roll around, which they inevitably will. Yeah. So, but it does sound like values are very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, values I, that are similar. Yeah. When I work with clients, it's interesting. Similar. I, I find that people need to value each other's values, if that makes sense. A lot of times, you know, we have that phrase, opposites attract. And when I have people do values exercises, I always ask them to do them separately first. And you can look up a values exercise anywhere on the Internet. You don't need a special one. But if you each take an, an hour to go through and figure out what your top, you know, say 10 to 12 values are. If when you exchange those lists, if you can find deep gratitude and value, if you can feel really compassionate and intrigued by your partner's values, even if your lists aren't the same, if you can value their values, then you can value them. So it's not so much that we have to agree on the values, but we have to agree to really appreciate who the other person is. Yeah. They might be yeah. very different from us. Yeah. But if we can appreciate them how they are, then absolutely this can work. Yes. And that's the point. You have to be able to, as yeah. you said, um, you have to be able to appreciate and respect where they are. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's not simple for people to make it over the long haul if they if they don't at core have some basic respect for who this person is and a lot of times we forget that our partner's going to change and we're going to change that's normal so it's it's totally reasonable to need to come back and revisit these issues of where are our values what are what is our shared purpose what are we doing here together? That's, it's normal to need to revisit this. Sometimes people will come to me and say, everything's falling apart. I don't understand why. Why is it all falling apart? And it's not that it's falling apart. It's that they've grown. They've changed. Life has changed. Time has passed. And it's just time to renegotiate. That's all. It's just yeah. time to renegotiate. Renegotiation yeah. should be part of a system that's going to last decades. You know, till death to us part was invented when we only lived till about 35 years old. Right. Yeah. Very different today. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Lucky us. <laughs> right. So it also sounds to me like one of the main issues is being able to talk to each other. That sounds easy, but it can be very inflammatory, as you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When people are talking to each other, oh, goodness. Well, here, we started this interview talking about how we, we think love should come naturally. And oftentimes, we mm. think communication should come naturally. Yes, but, but it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily. And what comes natural doesn't necessarily line up for our partners because we're each going to grow up in a particular setting that's going to have, you know, its way of being. You know, for some people, for instance, it's going to be really normalized in their household to ask for whatever you want and and yet to be to be able to receive a no. In other people's households, you never just openly ask for what you want. Instead, you carefully assess and determine whether it's an appropriate request to make. And if it's not an appropriate request to make, you don't make it. So you 
can imagine those two things do not really line up. You try to put that into one communication marriage, that's rough. If you're really talking about speaking different languages then, different languages of, of wanting and, and talking to each other about you, what you we know, want. Speaking of that, Jolie, what do you think of the book, The Five Love Languages? You know, a oh, lot of people have Gary used Ka- that. Yeah, Gary Chapman's work is, you know, it's helpful. I think it's a nice starting spot for understanding ourselves, honestly. I think a lot of people try to read it to understand how they want to love. But I think the big takeaway I have from um, Gary's work is, Remember that your love language and your partner's, they might not line up. But if you want your partner to feel loved, how can you stretch in that direction in a way that still feels authentic to you so that they can receive your love? And that requires creativity. It just does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, coming from, unless we come from the same exact background, right, we have different experiences we have different genes, different genetics, and, you know, we have to work together. And even in friendships, right, in families, right. we all have different things. Yep. So it's, it's, um, it's a matter of really working together. Yeah. When we come back yeah. after the break in our last segment, I really want to talk about something that you have talked about and written about, and it's individuation relationship. So it's how you can become more and more you every day and deepen your connection at the same time. Because many times people feel like, oh, you're going off on your own and becoming you and leaving me behind. And what you're talking Mm -hmm. about is, no, how can you be your own person and still be very, very connected to your partner? And I think that that's really a great thing that we're going to talk about in the next segment, Julie. So definitely want to to look at that. And um, also, again, just tell people your book is Project Relationship, the Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love. And people can certainly get that. Um, Any struggles? You can grab that. It's a good action plan. Go ahead. Right. So you can grab that on Amazon. It's available everywhere. And if you want to hear more and more conversations about how people actually do this, my husband and I, we just talk to each other on our podcast by the same name, Project Relationship. That's great. Conversations. That's great. That must be so fascinating. It's really nice to live out loud that way. (laughs) (laughs) Great. You know, you solve a lot of your issues that way, too, which is great. All right. We're going to take a break. (laughs) My guest is Jolie Anderson, uh, Jolie Anderson, (laughs) Jolie Hamilton, and she's a PhD. She's the relationship coach for couples who color outside the line. She's a best-selling author. She's a TEDx expert uh, and speaker and love and sex expert. And she has been featured in New York Times, Vogue, NPR, and The Atlantic. She's a relationship coach, and she is a research psychologist. So when we come back, As I said, we're going to talk about this whole thing about individuation, how you can become more you and deepen your relationship rather than pulling yourself apart from the other person. All right. Mm. This is the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to get real. Discover who you are 
and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Go to Health Radio. Featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone. We are back. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest is Dr. Joe Lee Hamilton, Ph.D., She's a relationship coach for couples who color outside the line. She's a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and asect sex educator, certified sex educator. She also co-hosts the Project Relationship Partner podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. She's been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, NPR, Atlantic. She has a, a book, Project Relationship, the Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love. And she helps people create relationships and partnerships that are custom-built for their authentic selves, with no more shrinking, pretending, or hiding required. So let's talk about that. Let's talk, welcome back, Jolie. Let's talk about individuation in relationships, how you can become more and more you every day and deepen your connection at the same time. Oh, goodness, this makes me so happy. So I think that um, when we talk about relationships, a lot of times we forget that what we're talking about is people in relationships. And those people have their own individual paths. They were born for their own reasons. And while it's wonderful to celebrate the, the coupledom or the, or the marriage, it's also so valuable to consider how you are becoming more and more yourself every day. But sometimes inside relationships, we can, we can lose track of that. We can forget that 
it's okay to be different, to differentiate, to be different from our partner, we can lose track of the fact that we don't need to be the same. And in fact, it can be quite fabulous to be different from our partner and to enjoy the fact that we are different. That really puts us into that I-thou space where we can we can appreciate the other for who they are. But it's not an easy ride because it's so easy to lose ourselves to the idea that our partnership is is the only thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's being open again to understanding the other person's needs and yeah, and appreciating them and your own and also seeing yeah, that they're growing own. and they're happier because they're meeting their needs. Right. Right. So when, when we talk about individuation, I trained as a, a Jungian psychologist. That means I studied the work of Carl Jung and I took very seriously the idea that each of us, is here on our own path. And the fact that we're in a relationship doesn't negate that path. It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. And yes. so when we, when we think about individuating, being I, my, with, my, with my anchor partner, who I happen to be married to, um, we consider each other individuation partners, which means we are always in this dance of allowing ourselves to experience distance separation between ourselves, right? Like allowing each other the freedom to explore and be, and this isn't about sex. It could be at time, you know, if you're in a consensually non-monogamous agreement, it could be, but that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the exploration of who am I mm-hmm. becoming? Yes. What do I need to do in the world? Yeah. What's my work in the world? What's my purpose? Who am I? And yeah. allowing there to be differences that is that creates a, a, a relationship that can really foster individuality in a healthy way, not individualism, where we become overly selfish in a bad way or narcissistic, right? But individuality in its in its most beautiful form. Hmm. What is mismatch? The big solutions for a big problem. Mm. Oh goodness. So. It's interesting that you would ask about desire mismatch when we're talking about individuation, because frequently when people come to me, um, the inspiration, the reason that they're willing to pick up the phone and say, I think I need, I think we need some help. Frequently it's because they are experiencing a desire mismatch. In other words, the two of them don't want the same amount, the same frequency or the same kind of sexual connection. And what happens is that can become a really sticky spot, especially if we're monogamous, right? That can become incredibly sticky where now, well, if I have this one person who I'm supposed to get my sexual needs met by Mm -hmm. and we have a desire mismatch, now what do I do? Because Mm -hmm. it can feel like we're held hostage to this Mm. situation. But in fact, there is a lot to be said for diving into desire mismatch and and starting to work with it as a, a feature of your relationship, at least as it, it currently exists. It's a feature of it. Maybe it's not a bug. Maybe it's a feature. What's going on? There are a million ways we could potentially resolve the desire mismatch, and mm. not all of them are about compromising on some, well, he doesn't get what he wants and she doesn't really get what she wants, but we've met in the middle. In fact, mm-hmm. some of them are about letting each other grow in ways and letting this be uncomfortable while we figure out what kind of sex we want, 
what kind of connection we want. What do we, how do we talk about this? How do we have the uncomfortable and awkward conversations to reimagine our sex life or our marriage? Mm. Those conversations are individuation conversations. But a lot of people don't have them because they think they get to midlife or later and they sort of clap their hands and say, oh, good, we can rest now. And right then is often when, in fact, we see a mismatch. A mismatch is an opportunity. So you write about one single conversation that can reignite your sex life. Yep. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's, it's really simple. The question is, what is sex? What is sex? When, whenever I'm talking to anyone, a couple or an individual about any issue pertaining to sex, the, the thing I need to know from them is what are they talking about? Because in fact, most of us don't really know what we mean when we say, I want to have sex. A lot of times we're just talking about orgasm-seeking behavior or we're talking about just penetrative behavior. But really, mm-hmm. sex is bigger than that. For most of us, sex includes mm-hmm. other actions. And mm-hmm. if we can learn how to talk about all that sex is, we now have the capacity to ask for what we want, set our boundaries, and get creative. So the conversation of what is sex, it is, it is a game changer, but it can be really challenging for a lot of people. And just having spent, you know, decades with each other doesn't mean this conversation will go easy. I often do this conversation as a guided conversation. Um, often I'll do it with couples and as part of like a VIP day and we'll just dig into, okay, what is sex for you now? What has it been in the past and what do you want it to be? But what is sex is the question. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so, again, again, Julie, when you talk, I think about, you know, things that we've been brought up with. You know, this is what sex looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what you do. And there's been very, yep. um, and, you know, you, this is good. This is not good. This is, you know, sinful. This you should do. This you shouldn't do. This you should do it this way. I mean, there's so much of that. And I think that, um what you're looking at here is expansive. You're saying, look, it's mm-hmm. different for everybody. And there may be your partner may not like what you like. And so instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right, look at, well, how can we work with that? I think that's what you're saying. Exactly. That, that is. So there's the thing. Like, for instance, when Fifty Shades of Grey came out and, and everybody all of a sudden was having a conversation about what the kinkier side of sex might be. And by the way, that's not a good example of what real kink is. But when it came out and the conversation came up, a lot more people started realizing, oh, um, I don't know how to express less usual desire. I don't know how to express something that might be a little on the kinky side. And yet what we have right there is a huge opportunity to figure out what could work. It's not that all of our desires are going to line up neatly and be like, oh, good, excellent. We just boom, boom, boom. We, um, we can just embark on a new adventure. It will probably be a negotiation of what do you want to try? What's the next thing we want to try? And how do we talk about it? And how do we set some limits? And how do we safely allow ourselves to explore? And maybe most important of all, how do we let sex be something that keeps changing? rather than just mm. have it be exactly, most couples fall into one pattern and that's the sex they have their whole yeah. relationship. Yeah. yeah. How do we let it be new? You know, my question is, you know, we're coming to the close here. And so my, my question to you is, 
what kind of results are you seeing when you work with people and help them to open up their aperture, if you will, their view, yeah. their way of thinking of things? What results have you seen, Jolie, in your work? Yeah, so I think the most impressive result, and the, the thing that keeps me coming back to this work day after day, even though I sit with people in some of the most uncomfortable conversations they have ever had in their lives, but the number one result is that they find access to their erotic self, and I don't mean that just sexually, their whole emotional, loving, sexual, all of it, that full experience, that whole catastrophe, they find access to that, and then they find a way to bring that to their partner. And that, to me, that's being alive. People find their fire again. And it's not Mm. about necessarily having more sex. In fact, it might be about having less, but doing so in a really communicative way that Mm. is negotiated because you know Mm. what you want. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. It's it's and it is. I mean, sexuality and sex is a form of communication, right? I mean, it definitely yeah. is. Yep. And it and your yeah, your head has more. to be there, and your attitude has to be there, and your, you know, there's so much emotion that goes into this. So. Right. Thomas More said that uh, conversation is the sex act of the soul, and I would reverse that too and say sex is a conversation. It just is, and so. Whatever kind of sexual connection you want to have, whatever kind of erotic, emotional connecting you want, it's all possible if you're willing to brave uncharted waters and have new conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So such great material, Jolie. But I think going back to what I said in the beginning, you have to have two people who are willing to look at this. There are couples that will say, I'm not going anywhere near this. This is who I am. This yeah. is the way it is. And and then you can't do anything, right? I mean, you have to have two people that are at least willing to explore, no matter what yeah. it is, no what matter I, what they're exploring. Yeah. What I tell people who have a partner who's just like, nope, I'm not in, I ask them to reflect. So are you staying with this partner? And and if their answer is yes, I, I am 100% committed, even if they are not going to do any of this relationship work. Then I invite them onto an individuation journey. And that individuation journey now isn't about sex, isn't about their relationship. It's about them. And that can often catalyze a certain change inside the relationship that inspires the other partner to take seriously just loving their partner. And that's, again, not about sex, about just being seen and loved and known. And also, too, as you said, love takes many forms, right? There's all mm-hmm. kinds of love. So really mm-hmm. wonderful. If people want to work with you or find out more, um, where do they go? Yeah, so if people want to work with me, they're welcome to head over to talktojolie.com. And I have a quick three-question application over there. People can see if they can get on my calendar, or you can just find me. Um, I'm, I'm available at joliehamilton.com. Or you can head on over and look at my podcast because I have lots and lots of episodes that will give you a taste of whether my work is the right work for you. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Closing thoughts. What would you like to leave our listeners with about coloring outside the lines in a marriage or committed relationship? Let's leave with this. Coloring outside the lines is entirely about owning the fact that you are drawing the picture. 
your relationship isn't happening to you. It is you. And so whatever it is that you are seeking, whatever you want to create, it is possible. Will it be possible in this completely safe, untouched container? No. You're going to have to risk something. But when you do, really anything is possible. Mm. And have you seen this in relationships that are long-lasting, like 30, 40, 50 years, as well as young relationships under 10 years? I have. I have. So my own current relationship is 13 years old, and it is thriving in this system. But also, I learned much of this from my primary mentor, um, my analyst. Um, he just passed away this year. Um, his name was Thayer Green, Dr. Thayer Green. And he and his partner were married for, oh, my goodness, they were married for 74 years. They were Really? Until the very end, right? So 20 all the way up to 95. And wow. he taught me this. He taught me these principles. And the idea, his, his core thought that, that always stays with me is you will have many marriages, many marriages. You can stay legally married to the same person that has many marriages because you will always mm. be reinventing yourself if you are individuating. Mm. And I watched what he and Anita created, and it was beautiful. Oh, and what was his work, again, so people can look it up? So he was a Jungian analyst. He studied um, the phenomenon of uh, of fear and, and evil, which is fascinating in itself. But his work, um, it's been published a little bit. You can find him if you if you type Thayer Green, T-H-A-Y-E-R-G-R-E-E-N-E. If you type that into the Internet, you find little snippets okay. of his work. He spoke mm-hmm. in many places. Thank and you. he was Thank you. he was part of World War II. He liberated a concentration camp when he was eighteen. He was part of that oh, movement. And wow, yeah, really, a truly that's amazing. And so, what, what, I, I love yeah. that that they were married seventy five years and all t- mm-hmm. together. And just as you said, they had merry marriages because they reinvented themselves. Julie, it has exactly. been an honor and a pleasure to have you on this program and enlightening and inspiring. And for everybody, for people who want all different kinds of relationships, the idea is for us to be able to grow and grow in a way that we can work together. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia. Yeah, it was great. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember to find me. Uh, you can write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'll put you on my newsletter list, and you can see all the great guests I have on each week. Or if you're interested in getting your own message out in a positive way, um, I've interviewed about 5,000 guest experts, and I can help you um, because I can help you create your own show or your own podcast. And also, you can find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.